Matthew 28. Continuing in our series of We the Church, and uh, two weeks ago we talked about we are biblical, and I'm excited about that. I'm glad we are biblical. I'm glad that we are uh, stick true, stick to the truth. Very excited about that. Last week, Pastor Holland taught on we are a multi-generational church, and we always want to be that. Um, so we have children. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, what kind of uh, dynamic do you have in your church? I said, we have from the youngest baby, just a few weeks old, all the way up to really old people. <laughs> and, and many in between. So, <laughs> so uh, that's exciting. So this week we want to talk about we are evangelistic, and this is a core doctrine or a core belief of, core value of Bible Baptist Church, and uh, we're excited to give you this. Uh, I did want to just give you um, a definition. We talk about evangelism and we talk about, um, you know, winning people to Christ and soul winning, and um, I kind of want to just stay away from soul winning for a little bit tonight. And do talk about evangelism. You could probably equate them both the same. Um, however, I think uh, that evangelism is a little bit of a better word um, considering what we're going to be talking about. All right. So evangelism, uh, guys, if you could pull that up for me. Evangelize means to instruct in the gospel, to preach the gospel to, as to evangelize the word world, excuse me. So that's what evangelize means. So as we go through this lesson and as we understand this, this is what we are talking about to instruct in the gospel, to preach the gospel to, as to evangelize the world. So as we understand that, I want you guys to make sure you understand that as we move through. The first question that I want to ask you, though, is why should we evangelize? Why should we evangelize? Why are we a church that evangelizes? Well, first of all, I think it's because it's God's heart. It's absolutely God's heart, and you might say, um, I don't really believe that. Well, that's fine. I hope to encourage you differently, all right? I hope to un help you understand that God's heart is evangelism for a reason, okay? Why is it God's heart that we evangelize? Well, I'd like you to recall with me um, that there was a couple way back at the beginning. The name was Adam and Eve. And if you remember who Adam and Eve were, they were walking with God. They walked with God. They had a perfect relationship with God. They understood God. They spent time with God. They, uh, the Bible talks about in uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8 that God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day as if it was something that he and Adam and Eve did regularly. And so they had a perfect relationship with God. There was no sin. There was nothing wrong that could be done there. And they just were spending time together with God. Like almost face to face with God. As if a, a man would spend time with his friend, this is what they were as close as. No sin, nothing between them and God at all. Literally. I, we can't even fathom that, can we? We can't fathom having nothing between my soul and the Savior. Truly. I mean, we want that, we strive for that, and we push for that. But really, there's not that, uh, we can't know that for real because we live with the old nature. And so I think you just need to remember that they had a perfect relationship. By the way, this is just the way God intended it. 100% the way God intended it because he was the one who created man and he created them in God's image. And that's a key point. He created them in his image. Well, obviously we know that Adam and Eve chose to disobey. And now sin has separated them from their perfect relationship with God. And so God 
had now a creation that was somewhat created in his image, but now there was a portion that was not in his image. And so they had a problem. Now God had to enact a plan to get us back into that relationship with him. You see, God always wants to have that relationship with him. And I could take a whole lot of time and spend a whole lot of time trying to explain this to you from the Bible and how I believe and I've come to this conclusion that God has enacted a plan that he planned before the foundations of the world that he would put this into place because he knew that Adam and Eve would sin. But he wanted to maintain that relationship with his creation. He wanted that relationship. He strives for that relationship. He wanted to have that perfect relationship with us again. He wants that for every person in the entire world. Do you get that? Think about that. God wants that relationship with every person in the entire world. Don't believe me? John chapter 3 and verse 16. Fellas, if you throw that up for me. John 3, 16. The Bible says, for God so loved what? The world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God did it for the entire world. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all, I love the word all, all means all, all the time, we say that all the time, all should come to repentance. God wants every single person in the entire world to understand his repentance. God wants every person in the entire world to understand his love. God wants every person in the entire world to be restored into that relationship that he once gave us at creation. Unfortunately, we know that because of Adam, death and sin passed upon all men. So by the disobedience of one, death passed upon all men. The Bible says, but by the obedience of one, shall life then be able to pass. And so God wants to transfer us from death unto life, and he wants that for every single person. So I believe we are to be evangelistic because God does not want people to perish. Listen to that again. I believe, this is, this is important, if you don't understand this first point, you might as well just wash the rest away. Because God wants, does not, excuse me, want people to perish any person. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In fact, I believe this. If we are not evangelistic, if we ever say to our, our church and as a church, we say we're not going to evangelize anymore. We're not going to preach the gospel anymore. We're not going to teach the gospel and tell people the gospel. Then I believe we are telling God that we are good enough for him and that the rest of his creation isn't worth the time or the effort. Think about that again. Let me say that again. If we are not evangelistic, we are telling God that we are good enough for him and that the rest of his creation isn't worth the time or the effort. That's 100% what we're saying. God, we're good enough. You don't need anybody else but us. We're just, we're just okay the way that we are, and you should just be happy with what you have. And that's exactly what we're telling God. And listen, those other people out there that you love and that you died for and that you gave your only begotten son for, those people, they don't really matter. 
I know you want them. I know you created them. I know, I know, I know. But listen, you don't really need them. I don't know if I want to talk to God that way. But when we are not evangelistic, so if you say, me as a person, I don't want to be evangelistic, that's what you're telling God. God, I'm good. I'm, I am good enough for you. So let me ask you a question. Why are we evangelistic? Again, I believe it's because God wants that relationship, that perfect, that abiding, that wonderful face-to-face walking as a man would walk with his friend. God wants that relationship for every single person. That's why we should be an evangelistic church. That's why as the pillar and the ground of truth, we should be holding to this. So number two, the question should be then, how are we supposed to evangelize? How are we supposed to evangelize? All of us want that. All of us understand that. All of us uh, uh, really, I think, are asking that question. So if you will, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Most of you would know this as what we call the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission because it is one of the things, and we'll look at all five passages that we will talk about tonight, are a part of what we would call the Great Commission. It's mentioned five different times, once Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then once in the book of Acts. And so we're going to look at this, and we call this great because it's really the last thing that Jesus really talked about to his disciples as a whole. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. The Bible says, Go ye therefore. Now stop. If you've been in church for any amount of time and you see the word therefore, you're supposed to stop and you're supposed to go back and see what it's there for. Okay, so we're going to stop. And we're going to go back to verse 18 and see what it's there for. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, watch this, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now because of that, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, here it is again, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here's what I want you to know. Because how are we supposed to evangelize? We are supposed to evangelize because and through God's power. Hear that. How are we supposed to evangelize? We are supposed to evangelize because of and through God's power. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Because of my power, go. We are not supposed to go in our power. Listen to this. We are not supposed to go in our power. Listen to this. This is very important. We are not supposed to go in the power of the church. Listen, I am just like most people. And I like to have an organization backing me. And I like to have people surrounding me and pushing me forward. And I enjoy that to be able to fall back. But listen, if we go in the power of the church, we are doing nothing. Nothing. We are not truly evangelizing. We need to go in the power of no one but the power of Jesus Christ. It must be in the power of Jesus Christ. Let's look at a verse. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans 1.16. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the, watch this, gospel of Christ. Here it is, watch. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So how are we supposed to evangelize? Truly through the power of God, it's equal. You cannot give the gospel without the power of God. 
It's virtually impossible according to this. For it is the power of God. So if you're giving the gospel, you're giving the power of God. It's equal. Let's look at another one. 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Listen, we cannot do this in our own strength. We cannot give the gospel in our own strength. We can only give the gospel through the power of Jesus Christ. It can be done no other way. You can try, you can go out and you can talk, and you can do all this other stuff. But listen, I would beg to say that that is not giving the gospel. That is not the power of God. I heard this recently and I thought it was a wonderful application. Sometimes I hear things that while I'm uh, listening to podcasts or different things or videos that I watch or reading books and I, I just gain some information and I want to share this with you today. Now this is, I'm going to be, use a very specific example just because I love her. Imagine if I was to try to heal Mary McQuiggan of her blindness. Think about this. Mary McQuiggan is legally blind. Okay, what if I was to heal her of her blindness? Okay, what would I do? Let me ask you this question. What would you do? What would you do if it was your job to heal Mary McQuiggan or you felt this was what God wanted you to do in your life, to heal Mary McQuiggan of her blindness? Just think about it. What would you do? I think if we were honest, we would not go up to her and slap her in the forehead and say, you're healed. Right? Most of us, yeah, She'd slap us back, that's for sure. I'd, I would thoroughly enjoy that, but I don't think that would be the way that we... Sh I think if we're honest, we would all think, listen, that's not how we're going to do it. I think if we're honest, we would all concede that without God, it would be impossible. Give me a head shake on that, right? Without God, Mary McQuiggan could not be healed of her blindness. So let me ask you, what would we do? I would think that we would pray like we've never prayed before. God, Mary McQuiggan needs to see. She has to see. This is something that only you can do, and you would pray and pray and pray and pray. I think this. I think we would have as pure a life as we possibly could have, humanly possible. Be as pure a vessel as was humanly possible, obviously with the power of God, so that our prayers would not be hindered. Wouldn't we? Can we all agree to this? Perhaps... I would also like to think that we would have the faith as the grain of mustard seed. God, I truly believe that you can do this. I truly believe that we can move the mountain of her blindness. You see, we would do all this in preparation for the day that we felt God wanted us to be the conduit of healing for her. We would, we would all do that. We would all spend that time. And then when God said, now's the time to go, now's the time, now's the day she's going to be healed, you would go and be ready to heal. The day would come. We would come fully prepared, full of faith and full of God, with the earnest expectation that God would heal Mary. Not just God healing Mary, but God would heal Mary through us. Now let me ask you the question. Would we be focused on the exact words we were going to say? Maybe, maybe not. Would we be focused on the exact way we should hold our hand toward her or around her? Or 
Maybe fingers closed, maybe, you know, splitting them like this or something. Like, would we be focused on that? No, probably not. Would we focus on whether or not we should have our eyes open or closed? You see, listen, all that stuff is neither here nor there. You see, the fact of the matter is it has to be the power of God. But listen, this is the way we should be approaching evangelism. This is the way we should be approaching uh, talking to other people about Christ. We should not be focusing on having the exactly right words. Boy, don't we do that. Man, I I just want to have the right words. Listen, Paul talks about that. He he says, I didn't come to you in, in, in words of men's wisdom. I just came to you in the power of God. I didn't want to know anything save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We should not be focusing on the technique that we have in evangelism. Whether it's door knocking or uh, lifestyle evangelism or whatever it might be. Listen, it's not about a style. It's not whether or not you walk up to somebody and say, are you sure you're going to heaven? Or, hey, you're going to hell if you're a sinner. It's not about that. It's not about the words you say. It's not about the style you have. We shouldn't be focusing on the right setting. Oh man, if I could just get them, you know, at home, or if I could just get them at Tim Hortons, or if I could just get them in the laneway at their house, or wherever, we shouldn't be worried about the right setting. You know what we should be focusing on? We should be focused on God. We should be praying like no other. We should be fasting like we've never fasted before. We should be begging God to do something in that person's life. We should have as pure a life and be as pure a vessel as humanly possible with the power of God so that our prayers for that person to be saved would not be hindered. You see, this is how we should approach evangelism. This is how I believe it should be done because we, we have the problem and they have the problem that they are blinded by Satan. The Bible says that Satan has blinded their minds lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine upon them. So listen, it is no different, it is absolutely no different than if we were trying to heal a blind person. It is absolutely no different if we were trying to raise someone from the dead because the Bible says that they pass, that when we get saved, they pass from death unto life. We're talking about a miracle here. Do we treat evangelism like a miracle? Listen, if we're being honest, I think we've gotten away from that. And I think if we're honest, we as a church have gotten away from that. Gotten away from the fact that, listen, listen, we'll invite people to church And listen, please don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. Invite people to church. But there is God's heartbeat is not necessarily inviting people to church. God's heartbeat is I want people to have that relationship with me again. I want want to be so intimate with these people. And the only way that we can ever start this is, is, is if they become my children if we have that relationship, that pure, unadulterated relationship again, they need a miracle that can only be performed by God. So listen, how are we going to do this? We have the why. How are we going to do this? It is not by words of man's wisdom. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. If you've spent time fasting and praying, If you've spent time looking to God and saying, God, this person needs you and break down barriers and keep Satan at bay. And listen, I've been in places where you're just about getting ready to the gospel and the phone rings. 
And it, it happens all the time, everywhere, because Satan does not want them to see, but God can overcome that. God can perform any miracle. If God can split the Red Sea wide open, if Jesus can be the only person ever in history to heal a blind person, listen, God can heal spiritually blind people. How are we going to do it? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It's by God's power. It's nothing that we can do. And listen, the Bible Baptist Church better get that. Because if we don't ever get that, if we don't realize that it's for God, and if we don't realize that it's by God, then we have a problem. We have a real problem. I want to take you over to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, this is the John's portion Of the Great Commission, John chapter 20, look at verse 21 with me. John chapter 20 and verse 21, the Bible says this. Then said Jesus unto them again. Watch now. Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You know what? Just stop there. This is really the crux of the whole thing. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now let me ask you a question. How did God send Jesus? Okay, Because that's the question we're asking here. The question is how. How are we going to evangelize? How are we going to do this? How are we going to work through this? How did God send Jesus? Look here again. Please, don't, please follow. As my Father has sent me. So this is the way I'm going to send you. This is how it's going to work. This is how you're going to go out. This is how you're going to preach. How? Well, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. This will give us some information as to how God sent Jesus. Isaiah 53. We're just going to skip through here, hit a few verses just for sake of time. Look at verse 4. Surely he, this is being Jesus, has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of who? Of God and afflicted. How many of you are getting excited? This sounds so good. As God has sent me, so send I you. Oh, all right. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I'm not getting too excited about this. Look at verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. It really does continue, but I want you to see verse 10. Watch this, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seat. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, how many of you would say, bless God, I'm excited to be oppressed. Bless God, I'm excited to be wounded. Bless God, I'm excited to be bruised. None of us. As my Father hath sent me, 
so send I you. I'm not too excited about this. So how did God send Jesus? Well, John chapter 3, verse 16, it gets, for, says, For God so loved the world that he gave. So he sent in love. But here's what I want you to get. Some of us have conditions set upon our evangelism, don't we? As long as everything goes well, as long as I'm not rejected, as long as I'm not this, that, or the other thing, then I will evangelize. Well, listen, the Bible Baptist Church should be an evangelizing church, even if it means, and listen, this is what Jesus did. God sent his only begotten son, even if it meant that he was rejected. We know he was. Even if he was rejected, God sent him. Even if Jesus would be scoffed at, God sent him. Even if he would be ridiculed, God sent him. Even if he would be killed, God sent him. And here's the key. Jesus was obedient. Even as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. And listen, hear this. You know why Jesus was sent? Because God so loved. God wants that relationship. So as the Father was sent, or Jesus was sent, so shall we be sent. Listen, why are we sent? Because of love. Because the Father loves them, not because we love them. Hear, hear me. Because there are times when people are unlovable. And there are times when you cannot be what you should be. But listen, because God loves them, they need to hear the gospel. But listen, it doesn't matter if you're afflicted. Doesn't matter if you're scoffed at. Doesn't even matter if you're killed. God still sent us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Man, we don't want to hear that, do we? Because it's easy, because it's so easy to sit back in our house and say, listen, nobody wants to hear about that. Or even sit in our church and say, listen, nobody really wants to hear it. It doesn't matter if they want to hear it. They need to hear it. And God said, go. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Look at verse 21 again. Peace be unto you. Even, or excuse me, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So how are we to do it? Just like Jesus did it. How did Jesus do it? He just obeyed his Father. And he, with love from his Father, gave himself. If you will, jump over to Mark chapter 16 with me. Mark 16. Bouncing around a bunch tonight. Mark 16. We're still under how? Mark 16. Key points in all of this. Mark 16. Look at verse 15. Mark 16, 15. The Bible says this. And he, being Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to who? Every creature. You know, it, it says every creature. It doesn't say to a select few. It doesn't say to your best friend. 
doesn't say to anybody who will listen. Doesn't say that, does it? It says every creature. So how are we to do this? Preach the gospel to everyone. Every creature. Go ye into all the world. Everybody. Man, woman, child, I don't care if they're Catholic, I don't care if they're Anglican, I don't care if they're Baptist and they're not saved. Preach the gospel to them. I don't care if they're Muslim. Listen, a lot of us in North America are scared of Islam. And probably rightfully so. But Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always. Just preach the gospel to every creature. Notice with me in verse 16, though. Watch this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. You know what I get from this? There's going to be people who believe. And there's going to be people who don't believe. Does it give us any responsibility there for the people who believe or don't believe? It doesn't. The only responsibility we have is if somebody believes, then you're to do something. Baptize. They shall be baptized. But listen, it's not about, listen, this is why I don't like the term soul winning. And we only see soul winning one time in the Bible, and it's he that winneth souls is wise. But the term, I don't, the reason I don't like the word soul winning is because that puts the onus on us to win them. My job is just to preach. My job is just to give the gospel. Listen, I know that's probably not popular, but I believe that's what the Bible says. There will be some who will believe, and there will be some who don't. It is not my job to convince them one way or another. My job is just to preach with the power of God. Luke chapter 24. I'll finish up here. Luke chapter 24. Draw this all to a close in just a second. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. The Bible says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. In his name, among all nations. Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So he says repentance, remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, not just a select few. Again, how are we going to do this? It must be through the power of God. Only through the power of God. To everyone who will not even who will listen, just to everyone. And those people, there will be some that believe and there will be some that don't believe. So the question is this, number three, finally, what? What are we to preach? Well, I think this is fairly, fairly easy, but if you will, Mark chapter 16, you can see it up here in verse 15, the Bible says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Webster's and Strong's dictionaries both define the gospel as the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. All right, so listen, here it is. Just simply preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the problem with the statement I made before that it's our responsibility just to preach. A lot of people will just say, oh sweet, I'm not responsible at all for the outcome. And really we're not. But the fact of the matter is some people can be very brazen and say, well I gave them the gospel. 
And there's no love and there's no care and there's nothing inside. But listen, that's not through the power of Jesus Christ. Preaching the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's supposed to come out of you. What is the good news? Well, first of all, you have to give them the bad news. We're all sinners. Every single one of us is a sinner and that because of sin, we cannot have the relationship with God that he wants to have with us. And therefore, our sin separates us from God. But the good news is that God sent Jesus to pay that sin debt and to draw us into that perfect relationship with him. That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus came. Jesus gave his life. Jesus took all of that sin that you committed, that, that, that any person in the entire world committed, and he took that upon him. And the Bible says that God could not even look on him and turned his back on him. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God could not have sin in his presence. And he did that for us so that he could have a relationship with us. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. What are we supposed to teach them? If you go with me to Luke chapter 24, look to the screen here, Luke 24, verse 48. Look at this word. And ye are witnesses. Witnesses of these things. So we're a witness. Go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You can see that here as well. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost, he's the part of the working, he's come upon you. And ye shall be, here it is, witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Go ahead and throw up that next slide. Witness from Webster's Dictionary means this. Attestation of a fact or an event. Testimony. You see, I think sometimes we can get this idea that we're a witness of Jesus Christ just because we've partook in Jesus Christ. That's not what the definition says, is it? What does the word attestation mean? I'm going to attest to it. I'm going to testify about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to be. It's an attestation of a fact or an event. Listen, there was an event in my life. I was four years old. And I remember my, my grandmother teaching in our primary church class. I sat in the back row, kind of this corner, and I sat there and she began to teach and preach on hell. I guess we ladies aren't supposed to preach, but she began to teach on hell. And she taught, and she taught about hell, and all I could think of was I don't want to go there. You see, I had a problem. I had the bad news. You know, very quickly toward the end, she gave me the good news. Because you deserve to die and go to hell, Jesus Sent his only begotten son. Listen, she testified of what happened in her life. Listen, I have, I have, there was an event. Four years old, I remember raising my hand saying, I don't want to go to hell. I want to know more about Jesus. I got up from my chair and I walked over to this section. And there was a, a, the Mrs. Yeager's Sunday school classroom. And I remember it smelled funny because there was like cork board all along the bottom of the walls. And my, another teacher, Arlene Ford, she sat across from me. I sat here. She sat across from me. And I remember praying and asking Jesus into my heart because I knew there was something wrong with me. I get to attest of that, and I'm a witness of that. And listen, if you don't want to hear me, I want to convince you so bad. 
If you want to hear me, I'll talk to you all day long. Listen, there's a passion and a fervor when you're a witness because you attested to an event or a fact. From Strong's Dictionary, witness means a martyr or a record. Interesting. Jesus, as I have sent you, as the Father hath sent me, so I send you if you're going to be a true witness. Same word as martyr. So let me ask you a question. We're to be a witness of what? What are we to be a witness of? Well, what Jesus has done for you. And not only what he has done for you, but who he is to you. Let me ask you a question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? You see, so often, so often, listen, so often we forget who Jesus is to us. And we lose our passion to be a witness of that. Give you a for instance. Several years ago, I was in a car accident. It was like September the 4th, I believe. Just real close to my birthday. But you know, that was six or seven years ago. You know, the facts get a little hazy after so long. And I mean, I was right there. I could attest I was a witness. (laughs) I was there. But the problem is, if I would have spent time rehearsing that, going over every detail, writing it down, spending time understanding that, knowing what it is that every single day for the, net, for the rest of my life I could attest to that accident, then it would be possible. But see, so often in our lives and in our church, we get comfortable with, hey, I got saved. Back, way back here, I got saved. And, you know, sometimes the, the, the details, they get a little hazy. And I just, Jesus gets a little hazy. I'm not really sure who he is anymore. He kind of gets a little hazy because we're not daily walking with him and spending time with him. And listen, our witness, or if you will, our light, kind of gets a bushel put over it. The cares of this world, if you will, come up and choke it out. Because we've not spent time and understood and, and rehearsed it and, and spent time in front of God wondering, God, what is it that you want me to say? How is it that you want me to say it? How can I be the best light to you I possibly can be? How can I be a witness unto you? It's important that we be a witness of what Jesus has done for us and who he is. But a witness for what? Not of what, but for what? We should be a witness for God's glory. End of story. Listen. We need to be a witness for God's glory because God wants his will done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do you think God has a relationship with people in heaven right now? pure, unadulterated. You know what God wants on this earth? I think he wants every person in St. Thomas and around the world to know 
that they can have that type of relationship with him again. Bible Baptist Church is evangelistic. Hear this, because it is not about us. It is not about them. It is all about him. Every bit of it. We evangelize because God wants that relationship. We evangelize through the power of God. And we evangelize and we tell people what God is to us. It's all about God. Every single bit of it. So the Bible Baptist Church, as far as I am concerned, will always, always be evangelistic because we want to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we even have to be a light unto you. Father, there are so many examples in the Bible of people who are, are witnessing and bearing witness of you. John the Baptist, the maniac of Gadara, the apostles. Father, so many people. And Father, help us to realize that it's not about us. It's not about how we feel about it. It's not about whether or not we want to do this. Father, it's not about the people around us. Although we want them to get saved. But really, Father, it's all about you. And I pray that your will is done in our life, in the lives of those people outside of this church, in the lives of the people in St. Thomas, and the lives of people around the world. Your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.